Hey, Graham. Oh, hello. So, uh, are you glad I'm back? I said that last time. Yeah, but are you still glad I'm back? Yeah, I'm or did still you glad. like, okay, all right, no, I just want to make sure we were, you were still. Hey, did you hear about the astronaut who was uh, a little too nonchalant about uh, flying near a black hole? Too nonchalant? Yeah. Nonchalant. I've never heard of a nonchalant astronaut. No, I haven't. Yeah, you know, he really didn't understand the gravity of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's good. That's pretty good. Solid, uh, right? Solid. Uh, yep. All right. I'm being sucked into giving you a <laughs> six. Uh, yeah, you don't understand the gravity of me either. Hey, but, um, you know, uh, David, do you know what the uh, scariest plant in the forest is? No. Well, I don't know if I want to know. Uh, bamboo. <laughs> 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 Uh, what did you give me? Uh, I know it's bad. I know this one's bad. What did you give me? A six. How about a five? Oh, thank you. Four. Okay, four. Yeah, that feels right. Okay, four. Four that it feels is. right, yeah. All right. I think, I think we're in a good spot here. I think we... You know what? Enough of the nonsense. Let's get on with the nonsense. Welcome back to Withy Windle, a whimsical interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and groan-worthy jokes featuring your favorite authors and illustrators. It's part book club, part game show. It's an adventure through the wild world of wordplay. I'm David Kern. And I'm Graham Pittman. And you still never quite sound confident. I was going to try to do it in uh, German because there was a, we had this bit going that you, you, that you were just in England, yeah. but that I thought you went to Germany, you know, but then I realized I don't know German. <laughs> so that's where the pause came from. All of a sudden, from. in that moment, you realized that you didn't know Yeah, German. I was like, oh, I'm gonna, this will be funny. I'll do this in German. Uh, Guten Tag, uh, Mayamo uh, Graham. <laughs> yes, that that's, is definitely. Next time you go to Berlin or Potsdam or yeah. somewhere, definitely do that. Well, they Say will... That. Yeah. I will get helped out. Yeah, think, yeah or maybe. Kicked out. Maybe you kicked out, I think, is probably more likely. Well, this week's guest is a friend of ours, Sarah McKenzie. Some of you might know her for her podcast. I bet a lot of your moms and dads listen to her podcast, but she is also the author of some new children's books. So we are excited to chat with her. We also, of course, in this episode are going to have snack time, lazy words, story time, and riddle time all the times. And, and I have a um, special uh, coterie of snacks. To introduce a coterie, you to a coterie of snacks, a coterie to, to share. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do all that. Of course, before we do that though, I think we should tell everybody, remind everybody. You know, we have listeners who listen to every episode. So by now, they've heard about this book that you designed the cover for. Oh, you remember you this? We're talking about um, the, Legends of the Round Table by the Circe Press. That's right. It's got knights and princesses and wizards. And do you like knights, princesses, and wizards? Yeah, of course. Okay, so. Same there. Yeah. Uh, so this is, if you like any of those things, then this is a, a new collection of Arthurian legends just perfect for you. It includes some of the beloved tales like the one where they find the sword and the stone. Uh, you know, there's the tale of Balin and Balin, who are two brothers who accidentally fight each other and maybe kill each other. And then there's a story about a young man who wants to be a knight, but has to prove himself worthy, as seems like the story of every knight, in every knight's lot. You, um, and you know what would make this book even better? What? I, I know it's a long shot, but like, if it was designed to be read aloud, I think that would be just incredible. Did you 
you did design the cover, so maybe you 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 were aware that maybe that's took actually a peek inside. that was actually the the idea. Yeah, it's got questions that you can ask while you're reading, but then there's also questions you can ask at the end of the stories. And the stories aren't too long, but they're long enough. So it's the perfect book for reading aloud, or reading as a family, or reading as a class. So it's it's a it's a really you know I saw the copies that came in, and I was pretty happy. I thought you should be proud of of it. You know, I'm very proud of it. You know who else is proud of it? Who? Uh, my bosses at the uh, Cersei Institute because uh, they gave me a trophy full I heard of about Skittles. This. A trophy full of Skittles. You were at yes. a work retreat and they presented you with a trophy. Full. I mean, how big are we talking here? Is it the size of like a mug? Is it the size of the Super Bowl you trophy? Know, like, Scroo- you know, like Scrooge McDuck when he dives into his uh, pool of... Boy, do I. B- pool of coins? Yeah. That's me into my trophy. That's how big you it was. You dove into your Skittles... Skittle trophy. You took yeah. a Skittle bath. Yeah. The, sounds... I'll, the company's bankrupt now. Oh. I'll just say, that was a was so, way too much so you money. you have to buy the book. Yeah, you gotta buy the book. They spent... I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on Skittles and a giant trophy for me. Yeah, um, but, you know, worth it. Well, for me, yeah. So, so how can people buy the book if they want to uh, help uh, pay for that trophy? Uh, they will go to circeinstitute.org slash store or click the link in the show notes. Well, that brings us now, you talk about Skittles, which is uh, falls under the category of candies. Yep. And it seems like a good transition into snack time. That seems like the right taxonomy. I would put them under candy. Yeah. Candy, yeah, yeah. Not vegetable. No. Even though some of them are green. Well, other things that fall under the uh, category of candy are the things that are in this bag right here. That you brought back I from brought Germany. Back, Graham, it's England. From England. When you go to England, you'll be able to just speak your regular language. The, well, you won't have to know German. <laughs> we'll see. You don't speak your regular language. Okay. <laughs> So I have a variety of candies here that we are going to try that I, I got in England. I know. I, I, I've been looking forward to this all okay. day. So there's two categories here. We've got some chocolates. Okay. And then I've got some sweet candy, you know, like fruity candies. Okay. Oh, my word. So what we're going to do here is we're going to... Boys and girls, moms and dads, bear with us. This might take a minute. Did you have to get a, a second suitcase? Uh, well, England? I was going to have to get... I did bring a second suitcase. For, for books. Various, for books and, yes, for books snacks. Books and snacks? Okay. okay. So, or let, did you just leave your wife in England and take her suitcase? Mm-hmm. And fill oh. With? Next time. That explains why our house has been so messy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's start with, I've only got three fruit candies because, full disclosure, my kids did eat some of the other ones. Okay. First, now, I think you've had this before. These are Maynard's Bassett's wine gums. Yep. I, I, I've had wine gums, but it's been a long time. Okay. So here's, here's some wine gums. These are tangy wine gums. Tangy wine gums? Yeah, that's... Yeah. Oh, that's delicious. It is delicious. That is like a double-decker Sour Patch Kid. That's exactly what it is. Except more like a little bit savory? Mm -hmm. I don't know what you would call this. It's just British. A little bit British. It doesn't have as much extreme sweetness. As some of the candies that we have here. Stiff upper lip. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it makes you um, have some respect for your elders. Mm. I don't really know why. but okay. I've never had those. Yeah, the tangy ones? No. I really like that. Okay. Now, this next thing here is from Ooh. the Cotswolds Sweet Company. The Cotswolds are a place with a medieval bunch of medieval villages. A lot of cots. So, yeah, this they're... is English Boilings is what these are called. Have you ever now, been to the Hammockswolds? 
The hammock. No, no. It's more comfortable. North. It's more comfortable okay. than the cops. These vault. are called English boilings. Now, these are old fashioned English candies. Now, these ones what are not. In the world, did you just put in front of me? Okay. There's different shapes. This one's kind of like. Um, Was that a rhombus? Yeah, I guess so. But then this one looks like a. Am I going to chip oval. my tooth? Are I mean, these hard? We're about to find out because I haven't had them either. What's okay. it called? English boilings. Boiling. Boilings. They say hard, an assortment of traditional hard-boiled sweets. Take a trip down memory lane with our selection of old-fashioned boilings. Yeah, they're hard. I love this. And I, So I guess you like... I guess you just suck on them for a while. And they dissolve. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the hard candy that's like really... It's slick. not like a Jolly Rancher. This is like has a texture to it. Yeah, it's got a... It's kind of gritty on the outside. And I imagine they've been boiled. <laughs> that's my or guess. maybe they make you boil hmm. with hunger for another one. Okay. All this right, next I'm chewing thing mine. I'm chewing It's also made by Maynard's Bassett's. And these are called Sherbet Lemons. Which of these do you like the best so far? The boilings or the, the tangy wine gums? I do like this boiling thing. I'm... It's different. It's kind of sour. Not super sweet. I'm going to come back to these later because it's hard to talk with them. I think okay. it's, it's just confusing. These are individually wrapped. So they're sherbet lemons. They're individually wrapped kind of like, what would you, what else, what other candies do we have? Um, just grandma candy. Yeah, grandma candies. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're just hard. No, I guess like Christmas candy, mm. like in a tin. They're like lemon drops. They're like better, le you know, the lemon drops we get that are sticky and they stick together. And These are subtle, too. I love this. Yeah, this is delicious. All of these are very good so far. But it gets hard. I'm going to have to come back to that. Okay. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to keep moving on. I'm going to describe a little bit about what I have while you eat that. Okay. So, mm. in England, there are two very important chocolate companies. Now, one of them we talked about. Hershey's. With Daniel Nyeri. He would be offended that you said that. So we have Cadbury, but then we also have Galaxy. So mm. I have a variety first of, you know what, let's do, the, let's do the Galaxy first. So I got Galaxy Crispy and Galaxy Smooth Milk. So we're going to start with the Smooth Milk because it's the traditional. And I want you to tell me which one of these you like better. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to rank these. I'm going to give you two pieces. Eat one and then save the other one to put in order so we can remember. What if I eat both? I'll give you another piece. Oh, okay. Well, no so incentive this, not to. This is the Galaxy <laughs> Smooth Milk. Oh. It's very, it's chewy almost. Mmm. It tastes like hot chocolate. Oh, that's good. It does taste like hot chocolate. Yep. Okay. Wow. That's this so is cool. crispy. So this is kind of like our crunch bar. But so it's got like Rice Krispies in it. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of texture. What do you think? Which of those do you like better? Crispy. Me too. So I got Crispy and then Galaxy. So Galaxy wow. Krispies are favorite so far. That's okay. really good. Now this, this is... And they only cost £1.25. For a large bar. Yeah, that's really nice. Okay, so this is What's this? traditional Cadbury. Cadbury milk chocolate. Dairy milk? Yep, dairy milk. So this is the, this is an, you know, the staple. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. It's that moves to the top, right? Yeah. So right now we've got Cadbury Dairy Milk, the classic creamy taste. 
Then we've got Galaxy Crisp, then Galaxy Smooth Milk, right? Yeah. Okay. Was well, there a secret one somewhere? No. Okay. So now what I have. What do you have? You got, what's over there? Okay. This is from Cadbury and it's called, it's a bar called Boost. Boost. Describe the package. It's purple. It's purple with the words boost on it and <laughs> golden yellow explosion <laughs> happening behind it. So it's what? What is it going to give me a boost? Is it going to boost me toward drowsiness? Um, I'm trying to get more of a description. There really isn't much more of a description. It's got. Is it? Is it sort of like a Twix type thing? That is so good. Where would you put that in the ranking? Mm, out of all of those, I would. I would want to eat this the most. Really, for me, this is my least of the four. No, it's top for me. Okay. All right. Now this one. As you not like Twix? I do, but there's something about this doesn't have enough of the little crispy cookie in it. Maybe I got a lot of that the cookie. That is in the Twix. Okay, now this one no, is. I'll put in a second. Okay, so yours second. is still regular Cadbury first. Yeah, dairy milk. Okay, now this one is made by Nestle, and this is a very popular chocolate bar. They told me there at the store that I went to. Oh, it's not. It's not coffee. Crisp. It's called Toffee Crisp, okay. and it, the design looks like. A peanut butter cup, kind of. Reese's. Reese's, yeah. It's orange and yellow. But it's long, like a... I don't think of orange when I think of toffee. This one seems to have some kind of... Thank you. Nugget thing going on here, too. Hmm. It's fine. What do you think? What's so popular about this one? Don't know. It's fine. At the front, it doesn't taste like much. In the middle here, it's not tasting like much. Of these... Let me think of the finish. It's it still probably comes after all of them. It's still last place for me, I think. That's last for me. I don't I don't taste much there. Come on, Nestle. So right now what we're getting is that Cadbury is uh maintained still the legend. Okay. Now this the one that we're about to eat. Star bar from Cadbury. <laughs> um it's yellow also purple and swirls. And, yeah. Don't have any idea. What, they don't really describe these things, and when you open them, it ends up kind of looking. Ooh, what is that? It's like nugget and more. It's got peanuts in it. Caramel, maybe some kind of peanut butter thing. Take a bite of that and save part of it. So you Star can bar. Yeah, there's some peanut butter in there. Or peanuts. Really getting stuck in my teeth. This is delicious. Okay, I'm putting that fourth. I love this. No. Third. There's a little bit too for me. What's the American comp to this? Like a nut rageous? Like one of those Reese's yeah. bars? It's gotta be something like that. I'm putting that in the middle. No, yeah. no. Well, you yeah, know what? I'm putting that in the middle. One thing I really enjoyed running across was just a copious amount of actual Mars bars taking us back to the conversation we had about Mars. I okay. can't, this is the last one. Mm. This is called a Cadbury Crunchy, and it looks oh. like I love this coffee crisp almost. I've had these; these are great. Okay, did you have these in Canada? Yeah, yeah, Crunchy Bar. Okay, this so, is kind of like well, if I'm remembering, like a Butterfinger. It, wow, it does. It looks like glittery on the inside. Mm-hmm. Oh, this has. Mm, what's it say? The well, they don't put marketing. Nothing. Milk chocolate with golden honeycombed center. Oh, I don't know, man. I like that. It's kind of buttery. The honey thing is there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I like that too. That's a very different texture. It's like if you left a sponge. I don't know of any American candy that has this texture. If you left a sponge out in the sun, 
and then pour chocolate on it. Uh, that's going in the middle. Okay, so for me, my order is Cadbury Dairy Cream, Galaxy uh, Crisp, Regular? Oh, Galaxy crisp. crisp, Crunchy, Star, Star Bar, Galaxy Smooth, then Boost, then Toffee Crisp. That's my order. To- and Toffee Crisp the bottom. Yeah. My top is Dairy Milk. Okay, we're agreed then, on that. Then Boost, then Crunchy, then Star Bar. Then the crunchy galaxy, then the regular galaxy, and then that toffee one that just wasn't that good. But you know what? You're still going to eat it? He just made a large handful of all of them, and he put them in his mouth. He combined them all into one genius chocolate bar. What's the assess- he's gonna be make- It's going to take a minute. You know what? We're going to take a break. We're going to come back in a minute when Graham's done chewing, and then he'll be able to give an assessment of his super-duper genius chocolate bar. Okay, be right back. Okay, we are back. Graham, how was your uh, mega, mega bar that you just, your megabyte? It was brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) It was was absolutely fantastic. That's great. I'm going to try, I'm going to put the two galaxies together and do a little... Combo. Well, does that turn into a, the next does lazy that turn orb? into a what? A universe? Just do two galaxies make a universe? You know what? It's so good. Last week we identified sidewalk as a particularly lazy word, and we asked for some suggestions on what we should rename this. Uh, Tiana suggests CPS. Or concrete positioning service. Uh, Raymond says car-proof pedestrian path. Eddie says path to playground. Um, Annie uh, says it should be called Game Walk. Uh, and then Molly says it should be called Chalk City. <laughs> Those are all excellent. The kids came to, came to play this week. They did. Uh, Sophia says uh, Biker Bliss. Okay. Uh, Stephanie says Pathway of Smells. Or dog walk. So I'm assuming the dog is doing all the smells, mm. not just Stephanie. Uh, and then uh, Genesis says, the safe, walkable anti-road. <laughs> so, yes, thank you. Those are all great suggestions. The safe, walkable anti-road. Uh, Soir. And I, um, I have a lazy word for this week. Oh, you do? Okay. I do, but I didn't come up with this. Oh. This was emailed in. Oh. And I read it and I said, yes, come on. That is too good. You read it and you felt pain. Uh, Well, yes, that too. (laughs) So this is from Arden. Okay, and he says, please, we must change this. Or is it a she? Well, our friend Tim has a baby girl named Arden. Yeah. So. Thank you. Arden, let us know. Um, So Arden, uh, so they say, I have a lazy word for you all. Sprinkles. Hmm. Hmm. Like the sprinkles you put on cookies, cakes, etc. A deliciously and wonderful thing should not be named after the action of its placing. Hmm. That is such a good art. It literally is named after the motion of, of shaking you the thing. Sprinkle. Yeah, you just sprinkle the thing on. You over. sprinkle the thing on, and then you're like, those are sprinkles. <laughs> are they? The thing that makes the donut look just pristine. The thing that makes your sugar cookie... Festive. It's just it's just Here's my sprinkle. question though. 
what if we got the activity after the name of the thing? We didn't. We didn't. Because it can sprinkle, like, is it, is it raining rain. hard or is it just sprinkling? Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. sprinkler, you're sprink- sprinkler. 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 <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. We got two now. Sprinkles. They're basically the same thing. And Sprinkles sprinkler. and sprinkler. Solve what the problem, children. But what if you're running outside in your swimsuit on your lawn and your sprinkler was shooting sprinkles at you? Well, you'd have a real conundrum in that do you run through them or do you catch them and eat them you run through them with your mouth open you run through them covered in chocolate frosting no because then, then the sprinkles stick to you the other kids will chase you to try to eat you or, or they're, they're also or, covered or the neighborhood dogs then the neighborhood chase. dog there you go no, yes no, don't do that don't yes do that. the deer the coyotes cats right. and raccoons so please help us rename sprinkles email us at podcasts at goldberrybooks.com with Excellent your job, suggestions, Arden. or go to our Substack, which you can click the link in our show notes. Head over there and write it in the this episode's uh, post. comment section. Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, excellent job, Arden. Thank you for your efforts in ridding the world of extreme laziness, particularly vocabulary. Oh vocabulary and vocabulary laziness of vocabulary we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come right back with story time all right we're back we had some more snacks and we're about to do story time but first graham yeah i think we should share some important information with our listeners yeah it's time so we have some exciting stuff coming down the pipe down the pipe? Down in the, the pipeline? Pike? Pike? Not on a pike. Down the pipe. We could combine the words pike and pipe, but they're already kind of like, they what are you going to... pipe. The pipe co? <laughs> the pipe key? The, we, the pipe key. Um, we have designed some new shirts. Uh, we... Should we post them on our Substack? Like, just like, here, they're coming to show people what they're going to look like? Oh, yeah, sure, why not? All right, we're going to do that. Okay. We're going to post on our Substack... We're designing two new shirts. You won't be able to buy them just yet, but you'll be able to take a look at them. They're very cool. We're going to have pre-orders up soon. We're going to do pre-orders so that we know how many people want them. And we're doing a local company here in Concord to ensure that the quality is excellent. That's right. Um, They're going to be even better quality than the old ones. They're going to be better than the old ones. And then we think the designs are better too. They're really fun. Uh, So we're going to have those for pre-sale soon. And then our friend... And uh, illustrator Zach Franzen, who has been on this show before, is doing a special Withy Window illustration that we are going to make into a poster, and that will be available for pre-order soon. I don't know if we'll have that up on the Substack just yet, but maybe We're soon. Still Hopefully, soon. Tweaking some things, he's still working on a few things, but so it's amazing. When these things come out and are for sale, um, they are going to be. For sale for a, just a couple of weeks, like limited quantity, yep, limited, limited time. You have to get on it. You have to order them so we know how many we're going to make, and then we ship them out to you. That's exciting. That's really cool. Um, we're 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 super excited. Yeah these um, these t-shirts and posters are going to be some of the best stuff we've ever had for oh, our yeah. listeners. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and then, but I should say the posters only come in one hundred foot by one hundred foot size. Yeah, you have to wrap your house. Right. Or, yeah. Well, yeah, you can just put a billboard up. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, 100 by 100. Square billboard. You got a problem with that? We can do it. You have to make the billboard. But 
last week we asked our listeners what they should call themselves. Mm-hmm. What should Withy Windle fans call themselves? I saw some funny ones. What do we got? All right, you ready for some answers? I am. Bombadillers. <laughs> okay. That's good. Uh, Windy Bombadillas. With- Windy Whistlers. Windy Whistlers? Yes. How do you spell that? W-I-N-D-Y. W-I-T-H-L-E-R-S. The Windy Whistlers. <laughs> Windy Whistlers. Uh, Windle Venturers. Hobbits. <laughs> uh, Windlers. Okay. Or Windheimers. The, John Jacob Windle. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, this one was good. Uh, Withy Windletiers. The Withy Windletiers? Yes. Oh, man. Uh, These are all really I fun. don't know if we can decide right now which one is like we're gonna yes we're gonna go with that so why don't we just keep saying yeah, keep coming keep up with suggestions it might end up being one of those because those are some strong options I like hobbits it's just the- <laughs> I don't know if we can do we can quite do that but <laughs> did do you think the Watson boys sent anything in because they already got to name Gargalhauser so. I don't remember okay. Uh, uh, yeah, but we challenged them to come up with something better than they came up with when they came up with Gargalehauser. Which is they we just call them Gargalehausers. The, the Gargalehouses. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, ready for a story? I'm ready for a story. Yeah, take it away, Graham. Uh, this uh, story comes from Belgium, mm. which, uh, speaking of chocolate and candy, it is called the Sugar Candy House. <laughs> Jan, well, it'd be Jan, but I'm just going with Jan. Jan. How much harder is Jan? Not that much harder. Yeah, but I won't remember. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll go back and forth. Okay. Jan and Jeanette were brother and sister. They Mm -hmm. lived near a big wood. And every day they used to go and play there, fishing for sticklebacks in the streams and making necklaces of red berries. Mm. One day they wandered farther from their home than usual, and all of a sudden they came to a brook crossed by a pretty red bridge. On the other side of the bridge, half hidden among the trees, they espied the roofs of Little Pink Cottage, which when they came closer, they found to be built entirely of sugar candy. Here was a delightful... Dangerous. Why would you say such a thing? I mean, for my blood sugar. Oh, right. Here was a delightful find for a little boy and girl who love sweet stuff. Mm. They lost no time in breaking off pieces of the roof and popping them into their mouths. Mm. Now, in that house, there lived... I mean, that's an old woman? Nope. An oh. old wolf. You were, oh. you were oh, way off. Well, could, uh, was it a female wolf? Well, whose name was Garen. So, maybe. (laughs) Never judge a wolf by its name. (laughs) Uh, He was paralyzed in one leg and could not run very fast. But in all other respects, he was as fierce as strong as he'd been in his youth. Mm. When he heard Jan and Yannette breaking (laughs) off bits of his roof. You can remember that one? He growled out, who is touching my sugar candy house? And he came limping. It it is a fair question. Oh, yeah. And he came limping out to see who it was. But by that time, the children were safely hidden in the woods. Mm. Who dares touch my sugar candy house? Roared the wolf again. Then Jan replied. It's the wind so mild. It's the wind so mild. That lovable child. This satisfied the old wolf, and he went back to his house grumbling. 
he was satisfied, but he was still grumbling. So, okay. That sounds right. That sounds like adulthood. Uh, The next day, Jan and Jeanette once again crossed over the little red bridge and broke some more candy from the wolf's house. And out came Garen again, bristling all over. Who is touching my sugar candy house? He roared. And Jan and Jeanette replied, The wind so mild, it's the wind so mild, that lovable child. (laughs) Sensing a trend. Very well, said the wolf, and he went back again. But this time there was a gleam of suspicion in his eye. (laughs) Don't be suspicious. (laughs) Uh, The next day was stormy, and hardly had Jan and Janette reached the sugar candy house than the wolf came out and surprised them in the very act of breaking off a piece of his windowsill. I thought you were going to say, break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar, which also could have worked. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he said, it's the wind so mild, was it? That lovable child, eh? Precious lovable children, I must say. I'll eat them up. I'm feeling Graham chocolate as he reads, just to see if he's capable of reading while eating chocolate. He's trying. And he sprang at Jan and Janette, who took the... (laughs) That was a valiant effort. (laughs) Well, that lasted about two seconds. The nugget took over. <laughs> he sprang at Jan <laughs> and Janet, who took to their heels and ran off as fast as their legs could carry them. Garen pursued them at a good speed in spite of his stiff paw. And although he never gained on them, he kept... Wait a minute. Did this... how, did the... how did this wolf come into, like, this house? You think this was, like, bequeathed to him? Sure. He certainly didn't build it. You mean because he would have eaten it all? Or, well, just famously not great at building like, houses? Why does he have a mortgage on it? Or, like, how does he get It's a great question. Well, he's, well he, probably, he probably was already there, and he, he took it over. He probably... Oh, I see. The old lady. Yeah, he sieged He besieged it. But now he's, like, he's very protective well, of his thing well, that he well, stole. You know, yeah, exactly. I, mean, I guess I, most thieves probably are, yeah. Right, yeah. Anyway... He went to the trouble of besieging. (laughs) And although he never gained on the children, he kept them in sight and refused Mm -hmm. to give up the chase. The children looked back once or twice and saw that the wolf was still following them, but they were not very much afraid because they were confident of their ability to outrun him. Anytime kid Uh turns out to be confident in a story, take note. (laughs) All of a sudden, they found their way barred by a river. There was no bridge across it, and the water was very deep. Hmm. What were they to do? Nearer and nearer came the wolf. In the middle of the river were some ducks swimming, and Jan called out to them, Little ducks, carry us over the river on your backs, for if you do not, the wolf will get us. So the ducks came swimming up, and Jan and Janette climbed each on to the back of one and were safe, crossed safely to the other bank. Hmm. Presently, the wolf in his turn came to the river. He saw how the children had managed to cross, and he roared out at the ducks in a terrible voice, Come and carry me over, or I'll eat you up. Very well, answered the ducks, and they swam to the bank, and Garen balanced himself on four of them, one paw on the back of each. But they had no intention of carrying the wicked old wolf to the other side, for they did not love him or any of his tribe, and moreover, they objected to his impolite way of asking for a favor. I was going to say, could a little bit of please? So, at a given signal from the leader... It's just a quack. Quack, quack. He has like a flare gun. It's probably like not one quack. It's probably like, yeah. (laughs) 
Well, you know, it's, it's a duck, so it's probably under the water. Oh, it's some kind of like special yeah, 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 yeah. stroke under the water. I like that. Um, so at a special signal from the leader, all ducks dived in midstream and left old Garen struggling in the water. Three times he went down and three times he came up, but the fourth time... He sank, never to rise anymore. Mm. And that was the end of old Garen, and a good job, too, I say. I don't know what became of his sugar candy house, but I dare say, if you could find the wood and the sun had not melted the candy or the rain washed it away, you might break off a bit of it for yourself. Mm. The Wait, they got away? End. Where was the lesson? Yeah. Well, the lesson is confidence. They had the confidence to steal the candy and run away, <laughs> and the confidence to talk to a duck to get it to the other side. The, the lesson, always trust the duck. Always trust well, the duck. Unless you're a wolf. Right. In which case, swim. <laughs> Learn how to swim. <laughs> if you're going to be evil, or, or well, he was just you know, protecting his property. Yeah, but the thing I is, he, once he, he should have just stayed at the property and protected it then. He got a little overzealous, I think, overzealous. in chasing them too far. Yeah. The overzealous wolf. Galen, the overzealous wolf. In his candy house. In his candy house. In his house of candy. Yeah, I think we just came up with a new title for it. I like that one. It reminds me, obviously, of Hansel and Gretel, mm -hmm. and mixed with a little bit of a gingerbread man thing going on is is great. Mm. Yeah, the, and then also, um, uh, on the heels of snack time, it, it, it really uh, hit the spot. Re yes, Much like did. this chocolate. Yep. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and eat some more of this uh, copious amount of candy that we have here and we're going to be back in a minute and tell you about our guest this week okay we are back having snacked yet again as one does when you have a pile of english candy in front of you and uh it is time to tell you about this week's guest this week's guest is our friend sarah mckenzie now, your parents, and maybe you, might have been listening to her podcast for a long time. She has a podcast called The Read Aloud Revival, where she celebrates, you know, reading aloud. She provides a lot of resources and tips and tricks and interviews and all that kind of stuff for reading aloud. But she has also dived into the world of children's book writing and publishing. She started Waxwing Books, and the first couple books to come out of that are by her, the first one is out now. It's called A Little More Beautiful, The Story of a Garden, and words by Sarah McKenzie with illustrations by Breezy Brookshire. And they just announced a second book since we did this interview, actually, called While well, Everyone is Sleeping, which is by Sarah and illustrated by Gabrielle Grimard. So check those out at waxwingbooks.com. But we were really thrilled to talk to Sarah. We wanted to do this since the beginning of the show. We've known her for a while and knew that she would just be a wonderful person to have a conversation with, especially about the topics that we tend to talk about with authors on this show, from snacks to favorite books to illustrators to... Potatoes. To potatoes and um, scary rides. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we had, a, we had a really great time, and I hope you have a great time listening to this conversation. So here she is. Here is our conversation with Sarah McKenzie. <laughs> Well, we are here with our friend Sarah McKenzie, and we are so excited to have you on, Sarah. We have been like, I've said this a couple times this season, but we circled your name a long time ago to have you on because we love talking about books with you. So thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. And my family listens to the show. So it's kind of fun for me to be on this side. <laughs> I yeah, think I, it, I should tell you, but the cool factor, the mom cool factor at my house <laughs> went way up when my twin boys realized I was going to be 
on with you, Wendell. So. <laughs> well, then <laughs> don't tell that. them. Once you see how the you know the inside baseball part of it, don't reveal all of the secrets and how uncool it actually is to them. <laughs> I won't, but I will say your gratuitous use of sound effects makes me a little worried about like <laughs> using saying something about barnyard animals or babies crying or. <laughs> Blenders or something. You just invited it. You just invited Logan to drop all kinds of barnyard animal sound effects. Maybe we Here should we just go. have a moment of silence. It's get good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go ahead, Graham. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say it. It's, let's just get it over with. Logan, just do yeah. at least 10 seconds. No, let's do five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know how this works. You've listened to it a couple of times, you said. So we got lots of questions from kids and a few from, from some parents. And we're going to start with the question that we start with. We've been starting with since episode one. I doubt for someone like you that this is the most important question you've ever received. But I don't know. It's for the listeners and for you and your children to decide. Sarah McKenzie, Cheetos or Doritos? This feels very important. Um, okay, I'm going to say Doritos. but. Okay. I want the ranch Doritos, the cooler ranch Doritos, uh, if I get a pick. Do you get, do people give you one answer more often than another? It, it runs the gamut. I think, um, I think we get like the original uh, cheesy Doritos, maybe if people are a bit older. Um, and then us cool, us cool kids, you know, we all like the ranch ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or the and spicy chili. We get, we get a left field one of something we've either barely heard of or uh, <laughs> just we're not expecting. So, no, I think I think you're on the right side of history with this uh, cool ranch. Oh, one. this is good. Um, I well, don't. You guys haven't interviewed Kate DiCamillo, have you? We have. Oh, yeah. you have. Oh, you have. Yeah. Okay, so she probably already told you about her spicy Cheeto thing. Yeah, we talked for a while with with her about food. <laughs> and I missed this one. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that one. I don't know how I missed it. <laughs> yeah, that was a really fun one. So. For that one, I was like off. I was actually off doing like a writer's retreat thing. And the mm -hmm. only time she could do it was during that. And so oh. I was just in this room where I had been working on some writing projects. And just we had to talk to Katie Camilla, right? So, oh, yes. That was yeah, a pretty you don't special turn that opportunity down. And she's such a delight, too. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like one of the things that we've discovered on the show is how many people are just so fun to talk to and how many of the writers and, and illustrators just care so much about. The kids and the listeners and the readers and the people who are, you know, for lack of a better word, consuming and just participating in their stories. So, yeah, yeah. And I know that that is something that you, you interview authors as well. You've interviewed a lot of really interesting people. So one of the things we like to do is give our guests a chance to kind of tell people what they're all about. Like kind of Graham likes to call it the elevator pitch for their, for their <laughs> endeavors. So for those people who are listening who don't necessarily know what Sarah McKenzie is doing, you want to give the Sarah McKenzie elevator pitch? Yeah. The most fun and wonderful thing I do is I'm a mom of six kids. And so two of those kids are grown-ups. One's about to be a grown-up. Um, and then three of them are still in our homeschool. So they're 11. And then I have nine-year-old identical twin boys. So that's really fun. And um, we've homeschooled all of them. So that's the most fun that I have. And then um, I also host the Read Aloud Revival podcast, which is a show mostly for families who just love sharing stories together. And we interview authors and talk about homeschooling and how to fit reading aloud in. Usually, most of our listeners are mamas, but we <laughs> have a... Um, a segment at the end where kids can call in and tell us about books they've loved. And that's my favorite part of the show. 
And then um, <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. as part of that, you know, we're now this year, we've started a publishing house, a little what we call a boutique publishing house, mm-hmm. uh, where we are making what we hope are the best read-alouds we can possibly make in the form of mm-hmm. picture books and soon, hopefully, middle grade novels, books that families will love to share. So now we're kind of not just talking about books, we're also making them, which feels very similar, David, to what you're doing with your bookstore, where you're like on a different side of, yeah. Uh, like there's all these different angles that you can come into the book world from and that you can participate in the bookish life from making books, selling books, finding books, curating books, talking about yeah. books. I love yeah, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, and that means that you are going to be uh, helping us come up with new people to have on this podcast. I hope illustrators so. and authors from Waxwing Books. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I'd love that. <laughs> All right, David, you 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 stepped on your own segment here. And I understand I, why. I know. I just realized it. Because Sarah, you know, we want to hear all about Sarah. Right. But we of course, also need to know here. about these food questions that we always ask. And I feel like yep. tradition is important. And you're just kind of veering all over the place. Versa Libre here. <laughs> so I think I think we need to go back and ask Sarah our, our traditional questions. So Sarah, Doritos, you got that one. Cool Ranch, we yep. know it. Uh, <laughs> cookies or cake? Oh, cookies. Uh, yeah, which kind? Definitely cookies. Gluten-free cookies because I'm gluten-free. But my husband made chocolate chip cookies the other day for breakfast. So you can see who are the adults mm. in our house. And I <laughs> ate them for breakfast. So uh, they were the best breakfast I had all week. Chocolate chip cookies or double chocolate cookies or any kind of cookie that has chocolate in its mm. title is going to be a winner for me. Mm. I'm not quite sure why I would eat a cookie that didn't have chocolate in it, but uh, I could probably be convinced. We just talked to Brandon Mull um, last week and he... <laughs> Specifically said, uh, breakfast is for dessert foods. Uh, so I feel, like, I feel like that matches. I've talked to Brandon Mull myself before, <laughs> and that feels like it matches. <laughs> that lines up. Check it out. also matches with this podcast. I feel like. Yeah, it really yeah. does. It does. <laughs> uh, all right, Sarah. Uh, coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. Um, I like tea. I like the feeling of being a tea drinker more than I actually like the tea. But if I'm pressed <laughs> and I can only get to pick one or the other, I'm probably going to pick coffee. <laughs> mm. Do we, Graham, I mean, do we need to do more food questions or should we get to the kids' questions? Because I feel like there's a lot of kids' questions. That let's let's move in. on to that first one. I don't want to... I mean, if there was another food question that you had there, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to step on your toes any further on that. My best favorite food on the whole face of the planet is a baked potato, like a baked potato with all the stuff on it. So I that's mean, an, that's an amazing take. Yeah. We need to sit <laughs> with great. this for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, and, my husband and I will go out to a really fancy restaurant, like a steakhouse, fancy restaurant for our anniversary. And I, I will order two baked potatoes. And so <laughs> there's this. There's this local restaurant. It's a barbecue place. You know, like we're in the South. So pulled pork barbecue is huge. They do brisket and stuff too. But they have these giant, massive baked potato, barbecue baked potatoes. It's like a baked potato with pulled pork and cheese and all kinds of stuff on it. So they're delicious. I was, there is a place called Jason's Deli, which some of you Mm -hmm. listeners listening to this might go. We don't have those where I live. I'm from Washington State. We don't have Jason's Deli here. But when I got there, I ordered what was called the plain Jane potato. And it was anything but plain. There was like 10 pounds of cheese on this thing. It was, I thought, these are my people. They understand me. This is the best food I've eaten in months. So Graham, I would eat a like baked, baked potato potatoes? every day. Every day. I, okay. So the potato is one of the most wonderful things like imaginable. You got your mashed, yes. you got your 
fries. It, it feels like there's this is gonna be followed up with but. Oh no, I, uh, no I wasn't this, prepared for that. This take is um, it's surprising to me. I'm 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 not saying it's a bad take. I'm saying it's a surprising take. So it sounds like it's less about the big starchy ball um, that doesn't have a ton of flavor, and more about all the stuff that you put on top of it. And maybe that's true. It's probably I mean, more the vehicle, a vehicle for the cheese and sour cream. And I'm wondering if there might be some good childhood memories attached to this uh, in some way. Um, uh, you know, I could, I'd have to dig for them. I don't know. I can't imagine anybody not liking a potato. And <laughs> I love a baked potatoes. I don't yeah. know that I would say it's my favorite food in the whole world, but I do love baked potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I look when I travel, it's the first thing I look for. If I'm opening mm. up my DoorDash, I'm like, who has baked potatoes and who can bring me one? <laughs> I just want to see Sarah's search history of like each town, like Austin, potato, uh, <laughs> Boise, potato. She's she's <laughs> in Bangkok and she's like, I need a baked potato. <laughs> <laughs> Where can I get a baked potato around here? <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, Hong Kong. What's the, the Hong Kong version of the baked potato? Sushi baked potato. Anyway, we should <laughs> we should go to some questions from some kids. So, okay, let's do this one first. Let's. I'm gonna I'm not, I'm gonna do one first that we've been asking people this season because I think it really fits what you are up to over there uh, with your publishing uh, house and then also with Read Aloud Revival. So this is from Audrey, and she says, if you could book wander into any classic book, and the example she gives are Tom Sawyer or The Secret Garden, for example, which classic would you choose and why? Oh, easy, easy. So easy. I love this question, Audrey, and I love your name, too. That's my oldest daughter's name. <laughs> I would pick Anne of Green Gables, mm. and I would go to Prince Edward Island. Mm. Uh, hands down, easy. And if I couldn't, I would choose Beatrix Potter's mm. England. So mm-hmm. either or, but I, with a strong preference for Anne. Okay, so why? I can't even, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I watch <laughs> the movies, I read the books, and everything about Avonlea, everything about um, the homes and the neighbors mm. and the clothing. I love every single thing about it. And I think I would be absolutely BFFs with Anne Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. What is the what do they call the uh bosom friends? Is that what Diana? Bosom Grant friends and kindred yeah. spirits. Kindred oh, spirits. Yes, yes. 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 Um, okay. It's coming together for me now because maybe you didn't know this, maybe you do. Uh Prince Edward Island, this isn't a joke. <laughs> Prince Edward Island <laughs> is famous for its potatoes. No, are you kidding? Yeah, they have a they what? have a whole uh that's not a brand, what would you call it? A variety, um, called PEI potatoes. And they ship them all over the world. They would ship them to Washington. So you oh, should I am on this. As soon board. as we hang up here, I am yeah. I am on this so fast. PEI <laughs> potatoes. Are you kidding? How did I not know this? This is, this is why you yeah. this is why you do a, a podcast with a Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I am like this is the best thing I've heard all week. <laughs> they also are great they make um well not make, but Produce great oysters. If you're mm. an oyster person. I'll oh, yeah. take your word for that one. <laughs> not on the Double island, gram. but around the island. <laughs> okay. Not, okay. Not an oyster fan, huh? I'm not really a seafood fan, mm. actually. Except, okay. I mean, I like fish, but like I have a hard time with anything that looks like it could remotely be a bug. Yeah. <laughs> fair. Fair. <laughs> um, okay, this question is from Sam. Um, and it's not S.D. Smith. At least, not that I am aware of. Uh, he asked... <laughs> 
since you have your own podcast and have interviewed so many authors, did that help you in creating your own stories? Oh, what a good question, Sam. Do you know? Yes, I think so. And I think um, two things have helped a lot in creating my own stories. One is just reading a ton, 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 ton and reading like a writer. So reading a book just for the joy of it first. Um, And then if I really loved it, reading it again and trying to figure out why, like what was happening that made me love it. And the other is that either talking to authors and illustrators for the Read Aloud Revival or listening to podcasts like this one, like Withy Wendell, where you're listening to other authors talk about their process. One of the things that I've loved so much is realizing that for all these different authors, they have all different styles. So Hmm. I remember talking to Karma Wilson, who wrote the Bear Snores On series. I love, she writes the best rhymes and she Mm -hmm. writes mostly on her phone believe it or not like in a notes app kind of thing and she doesn't write every day and then you talk to somebody else like kate to camillo and she has a very ingrained first thing in the morning 500 or two pages Mm -hmm. i think is what she says where she writes every morning and i think trying like that sort of gives you permission to write in whatever way that you were made to be a writer. And so that feels really exciting to me too. Because so often when we're writing, it feels like this isn't working. I'm sure I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. And so it reminds me that there's so many different ways to make a story. And that really helps a lot. Okay, so on that note, we have a question here from Evie who asks, Sarah, when did you know you wanted to write a book? All caps, write. Okay. I can't remember. I remember as a small child, always want loving reading, but also some of my earliest memories are just making up stories. So if I was playing a board game, let's say Candyland with my brother and sisters, um, I would be making up a story of what was happening to the characters as we were playing the game. <laughs> um, I still kind of do this as a grown up when we're playing. I, we like to play the game Settlers of, I don't ever know if it's Settlers of Catan or Settlers of Caton. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I think it's Catan. 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 We know the game you're talking about though. Yeah. Okay. So I get very distracted because I've got a whole story going on in my head about like when the weed is gone and they had to move to the other side of the (laughs) island. And then, and then I kind of forget that we're playing the game. So I've always (laughs) made up stories. And then I remember filling tons of those spiral notebooks with, stories that were never totally finished, but I was just playing with characters or scenes, or especially if I finished a book that I really loved, Mm. um, then I would immediately start writing a story that would be basically identical to it that I thought was really (laughs) super original. But you learn every time you write, whether you're copying or not. And so I knew I wanted to be a writer from the time I was a little kid. And then I had a lot of doubts about whether I had the chops to be a writer. And then for many, many, many years. And so then it wasn't until I started reading books with my kids again, like when they, when I was reading with them that I thought, wait a second, this thing that had kind of fallen asleep inside me was like, Mm. no, no, this was something that was put there that needs to, I need to play with and see what happens. So when you were doing writing in these spiral notebooks, yeah, that was when you were a kid or that was when you were an adult? That was when I was a kid. And then that got set aside. That got set aside. And I think I just got, you know, um, like when I, as a teenager and then a young adult, I just got busy thinking about other things and maybe think feeling like being a writer felt like 
being an astronaut, like something you don't really hmm. know any astronauts. It's not like any of your parents' <laughs> friends are astronauts, you know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I remember an author coming to our school when I was, uh, maybe I was like fourth or fifth grade, maybe, um, and feeling like, I wonder what it's like when he goes back to his cabin, like on a, on a high mountain, <laughs> like by the sea. You know, like I had a very different idea of what our author's life was like, which is really yeah. fun now that I'm talking to all these authors, especially like, like authors like Kate Albus, who are, um, like just making dinner and taking care of their kids and writing stories. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's very yeah, inspiring yeah. to me. Yeah. We've had a lot, I'd say more than a couple of the authors we've interviewed talk about when they were kids thinking all authors were dead and like yeah. there nobody, <laughs> nobody living yeah. that did this anymore. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, uh, so Evie has a, another question here, and maybe a little bit related, but she wants to know what your favorite books were when you were a kid. Did you grow up a reader? Okay, yes, I did. Um, let me think, let me think. One of my very favorite picture books that I remember going to our school library and reading over and over again was a book called Chloe and Maud, which is a very old picture book by Sandra Boynton, before Sandra Boynton mm -hmm. became... Sandra Boynton. Yeah. Um, and so I bought one of those old, it's out of print. And I bought one of those out of print copies for myself because when I look at it, it makes me remember, like I remember the way I felt when I saw, I can't remember which character has a big paintbrush and there's, there's like sort of a kind of frog and toad ish, I guess it kind of, that's what it reminds me of. Um, mm. I loved Winnie the Pooh when I was slightly older and Charlotte's Web, I remember mm. exactly where I was sitting. I had to go to after-school daycare when I was maybe in, I don't know, maybe a fourth grade, fifth grade. And I remember like hiding myself away. I was not a kid that hid away, by the way. I was a very like, <laughs> I wanted to be in the action. I wanted to be where everybody was. I wanted to be around the people. I wanted to be talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I found Charlotte's Web and hid myself away because it felt like a very like personal mm. experience to read that book mm. um and then i read the stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of the babysitter's club <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. so uh, that's pretty much what i feel like i read as a kid a lot of the books that i love reading with my own kids like little house on the prairie and the secret garden and heidi um those i didn't read until i was a grown-up and reading them with my kids which feels mm. like its own kind of special gift so mm. yeah it's like you get to re-experience a bit of childhood. Yeah. Yeah. For the first time. Yeah. So, but through my kids' eyes too, which is fun. So we have a question here from Isabel, which I think is fun. <laughs> she says, I, uh, let's see. I want to ask Sarah to tell us one surprising fact about her. Like she's like, secretly a sci-fi nerd or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, potato fiend. I'm, I'm yeah, potato I think we may fiend. have gotten it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a secret sci-fi nerd. I I don't know if this is surprising or not, but I am a total roller coaster fiend. I love roller oh. coasters. Um, I will go on them over and over again. I even will take myself if I am I was out at a conference. I was speaking at a homeschool conference in Florida a couple of years ago, and I had about four or five hours before the park between the time I had to be done at the conference and the Disney World closed and I got an Uber and my, by myself. I had none of my children with me and I went to <laughs> Disney World and I ran ran the, or I rode the, um, uh, what's it called? 
Everest at Animal Kingdom. It's this crazy roller coaster that has like a big splash mountain like dip, but it's much bigger and it goes backwards. I hmm. read it six, wrote it six times in a row until I decided I needed to be a grown up and probably <laughs> call it a night. <laughs> It was this the best. I will say, I went by myself. I had my Kindle, so I had my book. And so I was in line reading and then riding roller coasters. I mm. cannot picture, except for a big potato, that was like the perfect day. Yeah. And then after that, <laughs> she found a Thai restaurant that was making baked potatoes. Yes. <laughs> it was perfection. Yeah. I think this is an excellent answer. It's a great answer. I, I think it's surprising. Okay. Uh, and it's a great mental picture. And I love how when you're uh, talking about the roller coaster that you went on six times in a row, you referenced another roller coaster that was similar to, but not exactly. So we know you're, we know you're telling the truth. <laughs> I, I think it's surprising, but also when, now that you say it, I'm not surprised because one of the things that I think people like about you is you have this like sense of wonder about you. And that's the same thing. It makes sense to me. I think I, I I'm surprised. I wouldn't have guessed that, but now that you say it, it feels right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Graham, should we ask? Uh, there's a couple of questions here about the process of creating this new book. Would you be willing to answer a few questions about that? I'd love to. Yeah. So there's like we've got a, we've got a several. Um, so I'll start with here. This is um, Penny, uh, and she wants to know about choosing the illustrator. Uh, she wants to know: Did you know Breezy Brookshire before? Um, or I suppose did was she? Uh, She's somebody you sought out. Uh, and then she has a second question. How long does it take to make a book like this? So long. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Much longer than... I would like life to work at the pace of a roller coaster is basically <laughs> the truth, Penny. And so um, longer than I wanted it to. Okay, Breezy Brookshire. I was familiar with her work because I had seen her Instagram account. So I knew kind of the kind of art she was making. Um, and I loved her art but I did not know her personally. Um, and I was very nervous about approaching her because first of all, I get very nervous whenever I'm showing anybody my writing for the first time. Mm. And then also showing somebody my writing to say like, do you think you might want to work with me on making a book felt like kind of a big scary thing. So I was very yeah, nervous. Yeah, yeah. She tells the story a little differently because she was familiar with Read Aloud Revival. And so mm. she was homeschooled herself, which I think probably makes a difference there too. So that... And so she was really excited about the project right off the bat. Now, we both thought it would take a lot less time than it did. And I thought that if we were making, I knew that at those big traditional publishing houses, it takes about two to three years to make a picture book. And I thought we can make that in less than half the time because we'll do it ourselves. And we yeah. have not been able to do it in less than half the time. <laughs> we were sliding into that two to three year mark mm. by the skin of our teeth, in fact. <laughs> um, and so it was a big, long process. A big picture kind of overview is that I all, so far, I have written about five picture books that we're working on having illustrated right now. Uh, well, mm. including this first one, A Little More Beautiful. The next one is coming in the fall. And my process is that I will spend months and months, um, usually, writing and rewriting and my the text, just the words for a picture book. And I'm sending it to editors. I'm sending it to some um, critique partners that I have. Um, I usually hire a couple of people who are professionals to look it over and give me feedback. And I rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. And mm. then when I think that I don't think we can make the text any better, then I start looking for because I'm also the publisher at Waxwing, <laughs> then we start looking for illustrators who we think 
do work in the style that fits the tone of the book we're telling, which is very interesting. Because so some of the books we have coming up next, we have a picture book biography coming soon. That's very different than, say, a funny book about mm. a, a rabbit and a duck. And the rabbit loses his tooth right at the very beginning. And it's very, very like the duck just does not know what to do about this. And so mm. that one's kind of funny. And so like <laughs> needs a whole different style illustration. So we just start looking at all our books on our shelf and looking online and seeing if we can find an illustrator that their art feels like it would be a good match. Yeah. <laughs> Once we get that done, then we start working with um, an art director who really helps the illustrator. An art director is kind of like to a, an illustrator, what an editor is to a writer. So they, mm help them redo and redo and redo <laughs> sometimes so many times their drawings until they fit make the book really something unique and one of the things i love about picture books most is that i really think a picture book cannot be it's very collaborative it has to be collaborative and the book itself every single time so far that and at these different stages of making these books i've realized that the book is always better because of all the different hands that have touched it and so it really feels like one of those things that's better than the sum of its parts mm. Um, but it took us, I would say from the time Breezy and I agreed to work on the project together to the time we got it in your hands, I think it was about two years and three months, mm. um, for our next book, it's a little shorter than that. So I think it, or it's a bit shorter than that, I should say. So I think it kind of depends on the project. It depends on the illustrator schedule. Sometimes we'll yeah, ask yeah. an illustrator to pub or work with us and they'll say, I can, but I can't start working on it for two years. And so then I have to go ride some roller coasters to make up the time. <laughs> <laughs> So we got a question from Ezra who asked, what surprised you the most about this process? It, what do you Have you thought about it in that way? Hmm. I haven't really thought about it in that way, but I'm glad you asked that, Ezra, so I can think about it that way. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I think it surprises me how many people it takes to make a picture book. We're going to have, mm. I'm going to have to do a podcast episode on that at Read Letter Revival, I think, mm. because it has been really surprising to me how many different people we need to make a book really mm. shine. Yeah. And to get it from a first idea all the way to a book on the shelf at your bookstore or your library. Um, that's one thing that surprised me. And the other, I think, that surprised me is I feel like every book, when I think I've gotten it as an author as good as I can get the words, there's always somebody who challenges me to get do better. And then I'm watching mm -hmm. that because as the publisher, I'm watching that with the art director and the illustrator. So the illustrator will give us their best art and say, this is the best I can do. And then the art director will ask just the right question to help it be a mm -hmm. little bit better. It reminds me of my son. My oldest son runs track and he has he runs varsity for our local high school and he is very very fast and he thought he had mm. hit all of his peak PRs this year that's like as fast as he's going to go and we really thought that's as fast as you're going to go cuz it was really crazy fast and interestingly his coach has helped him get figure out how to break through and get even faster even faster mm. than he thought was possible for him to get and it feels like that i'm having that same experience with writing or i watch the illustrators have that same experience where when you think this is the best I can do, and then somebody in your life kindly says, I think you might be able to do a little better, and you can do it. That's surprising yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Uh, one more question about the book. Uh, this is from Jessica, and I think this is Ezra's mom. Uh, she wants to know about the name Lou Alice and its significance. So that is the um, the main character in A Little More Beautiful. 
Okay, so yes, Lou Ellis, I did not know where I got this name. It just was in my head, which is what happens <laughs> with names. Now, I do have on my phone a notes app where I, and in a note in my notes app, I should say, where I keep a list of names when I hear one that I think, oh, yes. Like, I really want to write a story about a mouse named Theodore Butterfield. And that <laughs> is in my app. And I'm like, I'm saving it for something. So nice. I, I didn't know where it came from. But then, and you, some of you kids may know, have read the Wilder King trilogy by Jonathan Rogers. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Rogers wrote the Wilder King trilogy, like the Bark of the Bog Owl, and he also wrote some other books. He, his wife is named Lou Alice. And when he mentioned that to me not too long ago, all of a sudden I thought, oh, I think I remember when you first told me your wife's name was Lou Alice. <laughs> and I thought, I love that name. So I think I stole Jonathan Rogers' wife name, wife's name. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great story. put her in a book. And Jonathan has been on the on this show. We love Jonathan. So that's a great, like, the kids will have this connection because they'll love her. That's so great. That's amazing. <laughs> and Lou Alice is a complete, the real Lou Alice is a complete delight. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> so it suits, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, Graham, it's time for a quiz. And we've been doing these questions on the book. And in theory, Graham claims that this quiz is going to be in some way related to your new book. Sarah. So, so Graham, what's your quiz for Sarah McKenzie? Okay, so um, Sarah, this is um, a highly stressful, extremely long, this is going to take at least an hour uh, to get through. Um, I'm here for it. You bring up, actually. So, uh, no, this is, this is a fun <laughs> four-question quiz, all multiple choice. Okay. And so uh, we've discussed your book, uh, A Little More Beautiful, and so uh, one of the main themes of the book is gardening and one repeated phrase inside the book uh, encapsulates the care and attention uh, that is needed to really reap all the glories that a garden can give us. Okay. And that phrase is so tend water mend. Uh, so Sarah, I have four questions for you. One on sewing, one on tending, one on watering and one on mending. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. They, <laughs> I'm nervous. They, they may or may not have anything at all to do with gardening. Um, okay, so are you ready? I'm so ready. <laughs> okay. Question number one. In the New York City Garment District at the intersection of 39th and 7th Street, there is a really cool, large sculpture. This sculpture is 28 feet tall, and it is of a giant needle going through a giant button. So this is your sewing question. Uh, in 2022, this statue was replaced with an updated version that is similar but different in one way. So what change was made to the big, <laughs> iconic button and needle sculpture? All right, option A. They changed the color of the button from black to yellow. Option B, uh, they paired it with a sculpture of a giant pair of pants to make it clear that buttons have a purpose. Uh, option C, they put a speaker underneath the statue of the sound of a giant perpetually grumbling that he cannot find the button that he's lost. Uh, or option D, if you admire this sculpture for more than 30 seconds, a small compartment opens in the sculpture and you get a free slice of New York City pizza as a thank you for your attentiveness. <laughs> Get a baked potato. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we City swap that potato. out for a baked potato? <laughs> yeah, New York City potato. I wish C was true. That's too fun. But I'm going to guess that it's A. 
All right, you got that one. Maybe we start is with it a. Is it a sculpture for the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire? Is that what it is? Or no? I think it's just, um, okay, so don't ask me follow-up questions, but I think... (laughs) This is not allowed. Cut, cut. (laughs) I think it's just for the garment district in general. Okay, okay. So I do, I like that that Graham was like, okay, so the word is sowing, and he just completely disregarded that it's the the sowing of seeds, and he just went with the other kind of sowing. (laughs) Words Which, are tricky, David. <laughs> Words are fun. Yeah, they're fun. It's in keeping with the with this show. Uh, question number two is about tending. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, like Lou Alice, we all know that planting and watering are important. But if we do not give our plants the attention that they need, they will suffer for it. Um, so, if you, Sarah McKenzie, could be the caretaker of one of these fictional gardens or plants. Which would you want to be put in charge of and why? Uh, Option A, uh, the giant beanstalk from Jack and the Giant Beanstalk. Uh, Option B, the giving tree from the giving tree. Uh, Option C, (laughs) the mandrake section of the herbology (laughs) house in Harry Potter. Or D, the secret garden from the secret garden. All right, kids, which one do you think I'm going to pick? I bet you can guess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to pick the secret garden D um, because it feels like a magical place, but I mm. definitely, I am not a fan of the giving tree, the story. So I definitely don't want that one. I think it's extremely depressing. And I like a book that has more hope than that one does. Mm. Um, and maybe it depends on the perspective that you're th- looking, reading it through, <laughs> whether you think it's a, a book that ends with hope or not. Um, yeah, speaking of giving attention to a plant. Yeah. Or right. lack thereof. Right. Lack thereof. That exactly. Not giving attention to a plant, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Secret garden. That's my ding ding ding. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are we accepting that, the, David? I, I think I think it's the right answer. I would like to know of the other three though, which she would choose if you didn't have the secret garden one available to you. The Jack mandrake. Stock. Okay. Jack okay. The mandrake, yeah, that's that makes me too nervous. I'd Jack I'd mess that up. Stock, I feel like that'd just be a giant responsibility. Um Mm-hmm. It would be, but if you made it a really giant beanstalk, you could possibly slide down it like a roller coaster. Mm. There we go. Man. All right, I like this. Okay, so you would be the secret. I feel garden. another picture book coming here. The the Jack and the Beanstalk uh, <laughs> uh, amusement park story. <laughs> All right. Question three: Water. Everybody knows that astonishing statistic that human beings are actually comprised of over 60% water. But as impressive as that is, there are things on this earth that have an even higher percentage of H2O in their makeup. Uh, Which of the following has the highest concentration of water in its being? Option A, jellyfish. Option B, cucumber. C, watermelon, or D, water buffalo? (laughs) Uh, Okay. This is incredibly hard. I'm very sorry. This one's actually a real question, yeah. I am going to guess cucumber. No, you are not. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. I am. Got it. You got it. Did I get it? Okay. I can tell you why I knew that though. I can tell you why I knew that though. Because uh, my daughter, oldest daughter and I went to the Cincinnati Zoo a year ago. I think this is where this happened. I could be wrong. It could have been a different zoo. Um, And there were signs around that. um, 
I, you totally could have been different zoo. I think I just, Cincinnati Zoo, maybe you should do this though. It's pretty cool. So every time, <laughs> you know those signs that you put up where some, like the floor is wet, don't slip. They had signs that would have all different random facts about water. And it said a cucumber is made of some crazy high percentage of water. And that's what came to mind when you said it. Mm. <laughs> were, you got this right because you were paying attention. Uh, <laughs> that is correct. It is, uh, according to my research, 96% of a cucumber is water. And the uh-huh. reason I'm surprised that you got this is because 95% of a jellyfish is water and 93% of a watermelon is water. So it was like, yeah, when you said like jellyfish at the beginning, I thought that's got to be it. Whatever else he says, but then you said cucumber. And I saw the Good sign. Work. So, yeah. You know, right. this is confusing, not confusing to me. This brings to mind that for like five years, everyone said, don't eat iceberg lettuce. It's just water. It's not that good for you. Eat spinach. And now there's no way that iceberg lettuce has less, I mean, more water than a cucumber. And everyone says, eat cucumber. It's good for you. So I'm going to go back to eating salad with iceberg lettuce. Anyway, carry on, Graham, (laughs) with my baked potato. Yeah, you lost (laughs) me at salad. Um, Okay, number four. Question four. Uh, Mending. Okay, so Sarah, um, we we all, we collectively, we live in a culture uh, now that seems overly disposable. Uh, whether it's clothing or relationships or even historical objects, sometimes we overlook doing the work of mending mm-hmm. uh, and instead opt for the easier work of getting something new. Uh, so if you were given the opportunity and power and a time machine in some cases uh, to mend one of the following things, which would you choose? All right. Oh, this a, is going to be good. A, uh, the Liberty Bell. That iconic <laughs> symbol of American independence. Uh, B, uh, the relationship. You would mend the relationship between Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr that ended so tragically. Uh, C, you would mend that wall finally in that Robert Frost poem. Uh, or D, you would mend that one favorite mug that everybody has from years gone by that one of their kids dropped. <laughs> Broken oh, the dishwasher. Oh my goodness. Oh, this is too good. Um, this might be your best question ever, Graham. It's a really good <laughs> question. Good I feel good like thought. I need to erupt in Hamilton lyrics right now, but I <laughs> would pick the relationship between Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. That feels like the hardest thing to mend, but also mm. the one that would impact the most lives. Mm. <laughs> but then you would sure. not get those lyrics down the road because they would have a boring friendship. <laughs> oh, this is true. And actually, that reminds me when you say that of a book... Um, that you guys, if you haven't read it, you totally need to glitch by Laura Martin. Have you read this? Mm-mm, I haven't. Oh my gosh. Okay. Laura Martin would be such a good guest for your show too. Um, she has written several different middle grade books, but glitch is my favorite of hers. And it's a time travel book. And it opens up with a girl who is on, clearly she's on this mission. And you find out in the opening chapter that she's a time traveler who is tasked with a team, a small team, to keep these other people from time traveling and changing the past. So in the opening chapter, we've got like the assassination of Abraham Lincoln about to go down. And she has to actually make sure it happens the way it was supposed to, which at the very beginning, you're like, wait, but she has the chance to stop it, the person who's there. Mm. But it's this very interesting idea of what actually happens when we change history. Uh, it's so oh, good. Cool. And it's like a, one of those books, like really hard to put down. So, And here you are cavalierly agreeing to go back and, and change history. Uh, oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, no. Okay. So, so what, how would you, how would you do this? Just get them both. Well, in she's a room, trying to save lives, you know, talk some sense into them or, or what? Um, okay. Well here, th- I mean, I think you have to be over a meal. I would think potatoes, maybe, oh, they, maybe it would work to do this over potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> you could get them um, on a roller coaster together to face their fears. Well, you'd have to create the roller coaster first. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you do that. Complicated. Maybe unless I had that one. Think about how rich you could be if you invented the the roller coaster in seventeen eighty four or whatever. It's hard now to we're talking. Yeah. yeah, it's it's now hard to duel on a roller coaster. <laughs> it's hard to duel on a roller coaster. Yeah, and they had so much in common. I think that's the thing that just that just like when you're looking back. Of course, when you're outside of the relationship and you're looking back, you know, at a, something that happened in history, it's really a lot easier. It's like easier to simplify it, but. Yeah. It also reminds us that like a lot of times the things that stand between us are the things that we have in common that are, are mm. you know, we want the same things or we're going for the same things, which is like a storytelling thing. So for all you kids who are writers, a lot of times what we have with a main character and a main antagonist in a story is that they actually want the same things. And that's why there's the conflict. They're very mm. similar in a lot of ways, which is such an interesting question to ask. Like when you're reading a story, you know, what? Are, is similar about our main hero and the main antagonist. And mm. I think that with Hamilton and Aaron Burr, who, with, you know, depending on your viewpoint, or what, what, whose viewpoint you're reading from, uh, people would call Aaron Burr the antagonist, but they actually <laughs> had so much in common with, mm. with Alexander Hamilton. So kind of interesting. Well, thank you for injecting some actual wisdom and uh, insight into a nonsense, nonsensical question. And which was... <laughs> sensical quiz that you in fact aced so yeah that, that was about as good as anybody's ever done i mean a little Mother bit you six a little, at little, your little, service yeah, exactly here. there you go <laughs> a little bit of wisdom got the hard questions right got to you know do some callbacks earlier in the episode great job <laughs> well that brings us now to the word of the week and sarah you might know that we have this problem as far as the word of the week goes because Gargelhauser, the bookstore troll, he has caused problems in terms of getting the word of the week. He's taken the word of the week on the road. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Mm, yeah. Last season, we had to get it via Telegram. This year, he is um, seems to be posted up down in the basement of the bookstore, and he's holding it hostage. And the only way that he ever gives us the word of the week from the word of the week dictionary is by Graham going down there and negotiating in return for some sort of resource. So far, we've had like wood and power tools and Graham, what does he want this week in order to give us this week's word so it's an interesting week because like last last week we gave him a gift card to home depot and then we've uh, we've reaped our reward of that it's just been all noise and power tools and it's been a lot of hammering maybe it's Uh, gonna look amazing down there when he's done uh, that would be i doubt strange but (laughs) possible it, there was just sawdust everywhere, and I knocked, and he just opened the door and threw a word at me. Like, it's a, he didn't even care anymore. So I just annoyed? Really, really Could you see through the door, though? Like, when you opened the door and threw it the word? a complete cloud of dust. Like, oh, okay. Like, like sawdust. Okay. So, okay. We're going to have to get, a, like, a like a leaf blower to clear out all that sawdust so we can so we can actually see what the re- end result of this is okay but well here troll not to want to barter this is like something big is happening down there all right well okay so all right graham's handing me the word okay all right this week's word sarah are you ready for this i think oh okay guys i think we're gonna want to write this one down it's got three six nine twelve seventeen letters it looks like seventeen letters might be the longest one we've ever had 
Okay. All right. Here it is. Triskaidekaphobia. So here's how it's spelled. T-R-I-S-K-A-I-D-E-K-A-P-H-O-B-I-A. Triskaidekaphobia. We're going to say, put it that way. <laughs> Which way are we going to put it, David? Triskaid. Try. Tough one. I, now I've got to know how, what, how, what this is. Tris, Triskaidekaphobia. Triskaidekaphobia? Triskaidekaphobia? It's one of those. It's got to be something like that. Anyway, let's take a minute and try to figure out how to, uh, what this word means and maybe how to pronounce it. Okay, we are back. Graham will go first, then I will go. We'll save the third spot for our special guest. So, Graham, what does triskaidekaphobia mean? So, I know we're all going to have the fear of something. I assume so, because we we understand what that that last Phobia at the end, that's right. But you guys don't understand that I actually suffer from triskaidekaphobia. So, I know this one. It is, uh, it's the fear of being struck by lightning three times in quick succession. Uh, and you can you can break it down like you were having a lot of trouble saying this word. It's not that hard. So try oh. sky. You know sky. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Deck like being punched, like you're being decked. So it's like getting hit by something out of the sky three times. Hmm. You know that is um, just about the most irrational fear I've ever heard of. <laughs> because we all know that lightning doesn't strike in the same place twice, let alone three well, that's times. What they say, but you know fears. Fears are, you know, oftentimes we don't have good reasons for them. I think that's sort of the definition of a phobia, isn't it? That it's not rational. Exactly. Well, speaking, and that's exactly my, my, what I think triskaidekaphobia means is it's the fear of the fear of ideas that will blow your mind. So, for example, it's like the idea, it's the fear of the fear of having too many, too much in your head. That's what I think it means. Triskaidekaphobia. That's intense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's trust me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I thought I thought triskaidekaphobia was the fear of eating triscuits at high elevations. Ah, that also. I it. probably haven't talked about triscuits on this podcast. Are you a triscuits person? No, I can't eat them because I have to eat gluten free, oh, and yeah, they yeah. have gluten in them. But mm. it feels like maybe not on par with your normal flavor preferences. Well, you know. But if you're stuck at a high elevation and the only food you have is triscuits and you can't eat gluten, that would that be something to be afraid fear. of. Fear, yes, exactly. Especially yes. if there's no cheese to go with them, because triscuits can be a little dry. Yeah, you need cheese for sure. A yeah. I mean, I remember eating triscuits back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, here is the real meaning of try try sky decaphobia. See, we we we're we're there. I think run as far as how to say it. Okay. All right, I'm going to open this up, and the real meaning is... Our definitions are better, guys. Okay, it is the extreme superstition regarding the number 13. Like Friday the 13th, or it being unlucky. You don't want to go to the 13th floor on an elevator or at a hotel. Try... The try, and the deck deck is the 10 plus the 3? Was that how that's working? I guess so, yeah. And then the phobia, yeah. Try sky decaphobia. The extreme superstition regarding the number 13. You know, 
Sarah, it would be amazing if you just gonna throw this out there. If this word and its meaning were ever to, I don't know, show up in a future book by from Waxwing Public, it would just, be pretty amazing. I just want to throw it out there. <laughs> well, yeah, just try to like just try to shoehorn that one in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'll be supernatural, inevitable, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Well, Sarah, this has been really fun. Before we go. We have two more questions for you, and I'm just going to give them both to you, and then you can decide what order you want to you want to you want to answer them in. You're a podcast host, so let you make a choice here. Okay, okay. one of them is, uh, what advice do you have for kids who want to be writers? That's the. It's a, I mean, you've kind of addressed this earlier, actually, but then also, is there anything that you're working on right now? Again, you alluded to this as well that you can tell us more about. Like, is there are there any secrets that you can reveal here on Withy Window? Oh, fun. Yes. I love secrets. I love spilling, spilling the tea on secrets, actually. <laughs> okay. So first of all, um, advice for young writers. A lot of times I think we hear the advice not to copy, but I actually think that copying is how we learn how the writers who made the books that we love did what they did. So one thing that I will do, especially if I'm having a hard time writing or coming up with ideas is I will pick a favorite book and I will start just copying it. And I don't mean like use it as a springboard. I mean, I will copy it word for word. If I'm typing, if I like to, I usually, I like to write by typing. So I will start typing out. I will get say adventures with waffles or the Vanderbeekers of 141st street or something. And I will just start typing it out and it feels like I'm making the story and I can kind of feel Mm. how that goes. And then I feel like it sort of opens something up. Um, So that's a trick that I love to use. And another Mm. one is that, and I learned this trick from Andy Wilson, from the author Andy Wilson, where he said that when he was growing up, his dad would ask him, he would read a book and he'd say like, oh, I don't think this book was any good. Let's say he read Swiss Family Robinson or something. And he's like, I just didn't like it. And he'd say, well, what would you have done that was different? And he would start coming up with what he would have done if he had been writing that story. So that's another thing that I like to do is... um, even with my favorite books or my favorite authors, especially if when you finish a book and you think, oh, now I want to write, pay attention to that because there's a difference between books you just love to read mm. and books that make you want to write. So I think mm. paying attention to which books make you want to write will help you kind of clue into the kind of stories you might want to write. That's great um, advice. Okay, good. So then also another, so let me tell you, let me tell you about the next things coming. I'm so excited. I have been trying to write a middle grade novel and so far I am not writing a good middle grade novel. So that's what I wanted to share first. <laughs> I've written some completely and they are not good. And then when I go back and read them later, I think, nope, uh, they're not any, they're actually possibly worse than I thought they were when I wrote them. <laughs> so I'm still trying to write one of those. Um, but what we have coming up next at Waxwing are a string of picture books that I have written, mm. all of them being illustrated by different illustrators. So A Little More Beautiful was our first. The second is a bedtime story called While Everyone is Sleeping about a little shrew who sneaks out of bed in the middle of the night and finds a garden (laughs) where there is a flower that only opens at night, which is a true kind of flower Mm. called a moonflower. And then in next year, we have a picture book biography, which means a picture book that's a true story about somebody. And this first one is about Barbara Cooney, who wrote Mm. and illustrated Miss Rumpheus and Chanticleer and the Fox and the Oxcart Man. Uh, she illustrated that one anyway. So this is a picture book biography about how she became the woman who gave us those stories. And I really loved her story because she had a whole heap of children and really <laughs> illustrated and wrote books in the stream of motherhood, which I found very inspiring. 
And then um, we're hoping, you know, to have two or three books coming out every single year from Waxwing, from other authors and illustrators. We're working on several right now um, that are in that long pipeline I was describing earlier of (laughs) that long line that it takes from getting a book from a seed to a finished book. So, but I love it. I'm so surprised. I knew I liked writing, but before we started Waxwing, I wasn't sure if I would like all the bits of publish being a publisher or making mm. books. And I love it. I love mm. it so much. I had no idea. So that's mm. also really fun. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Well, Sarah, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your advice with our listeners and for just, you know, sharing some time and inspiring us all to eat baked potatoes. <laughs> Everybody go more. have a baked potato <laughs> with extra bacon after you're done here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. This was a blast. Well, that was Sarah McKenzie, and we're grateful to her for coming on. That was so much fun. Um, Next time you go on a roller coaster or eat a baked potato, think of Sarah McKenzie, and uh, (laughs) she might be be carrying the future of both those industries forward. (laughs) I like to think of her now eating baked potatoes on roller coasters. On a roller coaster, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, that's, I, think that's how she, I think that's the right way to think about Sarah. Um, <laughs> so what we need is we need a child to draw a picture of Sarah McKenzie eating a baked potato on a roller coaster. Yeah, we'll send those <laughs> send, to her. Yeah. Send those in and we'll pass them on to her. All right, Graham, it is riddle time. It's the last segment of this episode. And before we share the new riddle this week, we have to give the answer to last week's riddle. Could you give a quick refresher on what last week's riddle was? Yep. So last week... Um, uh, old Chaffee, I can't remember his last name, and I'm pretty sure we changed it like three times anyway, yeah. so it doesn't matter. Chaffee Jones. McJones Zingson. Chaffee McJones Zingzington. Chaffee McJones Zingzington came out of the mines along with his fellow miner friends. Yep, yep, yep. Davey and uh, Boris. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> Conrad. <laughs> uh, <Murphy>. Connor. <laughs> And uh, they all went into a restaurant um, for breakfast, and their boss, Jefferson Twillsbury, came in and said, uh, I'll buy everybody's breakfast. Um, if you can tell me what on this menu, there's two things on this menu you can never order for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And um, you weren't fooling many people. But most of the kids got this one. Yeah. We had to, we had to get through, you know, do one that's not too hard every now and then. So the two things that the kids cannot... <laughs> Well, the kids wouldn't be able to. The either. kids wouldn't be able to either. Yeah, you cannot order lunch nor dinner for, for breakfast. breakfast. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're saying that was too easy? I don't know. I I, th- I think it was a good one. I'm just saying our our listeners are smart. Hmm. Well, good job, smart listeners. How about we do this week's riddle? Let's do it. Okay. Should I do riddle A, B, <laughs> C, or? Let's do B. Let's do B. Okay. Now. Jefferson Twillsbury okay. is in the city, and he's in his. Well, he's a very rich man, so he doesn't. He doesn't drive. He has a driver named Herbert, and Herbert is driving Jefferson Twillsbury to the haberdashery, and they uh, come to a four-way stop. Now, at this four-way stop, it being a four-way stop, there are three other cars that are also coming to a four-way stop. Mm, it's the worst. One's a big truck. One's a medium truck, and one's a little truck. So they're, okay. at, the, they're at the other three and stops. Three fares. So here's Herbert sitting at the four-way stop, and they're they're all coming from different directions, and it's it's a recipe ripe for chaos. Okay. 
Yeah, it seems like it. Of course, you know, at a four-way stop, what you do is whoever got there first, they get to go first, right? You would think whoever so. comes to the stop sign, goes first. <laughs> but none of them know who got first. I mean, as far as they can tell, they got there at exactly the same time. Now, one would think that a car driving Jefferson Twillsbury would get to go first. Uh -huh. He being mine royalty. But the big truck, the little truck, and the, and the medium truck, they don't know who Jefferson Twillsbury is in the back of that car because they can't read the words on the side that say Jefferson Twillsbury's car yeah. uh, just because of where the angles are and all that, you know. So what happens is, can you guess what happens? They all go at the same time. They all go at the same time, which, as I said, is a recipe ripe for chaos. Mm -hmm. But miraculously, none of them crash into each other. How is this possible? How is this possible? I, d I don't know. How did Jefferson Twillsbury's car not get hit? And how did he not hit anybody else when all four of these cars? All right. This went is at hard. The same time? I think it's hard. This is hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you have uh, eaten a lot of chocolate. That's right. Um, but also, I know a lot of riddles, and this is tricky. I like it. Okay, good. good. So, in, if the kids wanted to uh, answer this riddle, where would they send their answer They to? should email them to us at podcasts at goldbraybooks.com. And even though we've been sending, telling people to go to Substack and type comments and stuff, do not type your riddle, riddle answer stuff. comments on right. Substack. Because we right. don't want everybody to see We want see all those. the other comments, but we want the riddle's answers to be... Emailed. Yeah, we don't want any people getting hints or clues. We want people to be able to come to it on their own. It wouldn't even be a hint or a clue. It would just be, oh, there's the riddle answer. Well, unless they get it wrong... Then oh, it could so, okay. eliminate a possible. Uh, it could be a partial answer. There's all you know, just just email just don't it. Do it. Yeah, just don't do it. Well, that is this week's riddle, and that Graham brings us to the end of this episode. Thank Another episode goodness. of with the, wait, really? Yeah, I'm tired. Oh, okay. The sixth episode of the fifth, the five point sixth. I was doing some math, mm -hmm. and whenever season six starts, mm -hmm. months down the line from now. <laughs> The first episode yeah. will be episode 50. Episode 50. We may have to mark the occasion somehow. Uh, yeah, let's think about it. Okay. We have some time. Yeah, we've got some time. I, I think I have some ideas. Off the air, I'll pitch them to you. 50 guests at once. 50 guests at once. 50 snacks at People once. People are always saying, your episodes are too short. <laughs> <laughs> make them make them hours longer. I was going to say we could do a mega episode, but what's a mega episode for Withy Window? Yeah, one hour, 48 minutes, <laughs> and then said 47. Oh, 11, 11 hours. It's just one live episode. It's just recording you sleeping. Three people would like this. <laughs> um, really? That many? Maybe. Yeah. They'd fall asleep listening to the podcast like my kids do, and then they wake up and it would still be going on. It's still going on. Uh, well, speaking of which we should probably wrap this episode up thank you so much to Sarah McKenzie for coming on thank you for Cersei Press for sponsoring if you would like to get a hold of that, that King Arthur book Legends of the Round Table you can go to CerseiInstitute.org slash shop and you can, you can put that in your cart you can also come by Goldberry Books and get that here when it comes out very soon we will have it on the shelf in Graham's honor okay well Graham anything else you want to add? nope you sure? Mm -hmm. you seem like you might have something you need to get off your chest nope you sure? Yep. Okay. All right. Well, Graham seems like he has something to get off his chest, but he does not brave enough to share it yet. So <laughs> maybe in a future episode. <laughs> All right. Well, for Graham Pittman, I'm David Kern. Until next time, happy reading. Tally ho. Tally ho.